and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we're continuing our team preview series with a look at the AFC West. We've already gone through the NFC West, the AFC, and NFC South, and we're just going to keep on keeping on throughout this offseason. So, as always with these team previews, I am joined by the one, the only New England Patriots training camp connoisseur, Andrew Erickson, who has already, you know, been watching the Keel Harry score a red zone touchdown with, you know, I don't think anyone actually guarding him, but... Andrew, you've been spending some time over at the Patriots. What's the status of the QB competition, man? Yeah, today was not a great day. So recording this on Thursday, neither of the quarterbacks really stood out today. Mac Jones, Aaron mailed a couple balls. I mean, just kind of it kind of gave me the over the fact about this offense is maybe it's above average passing offense in in, in 2021, like or maybe it's just average. Like that's like the thing though. Like none of neither of these quarterbacks is going to like elevate this team to becoming any sort of juggernaut whatsoever. And that's reflected obviously. And a lot of the wide receiver ADP. So yeah, just kind of keep that in mind. There's only one really fantasy relevant note to come out of New England so far, and that was John U. Smith saying that he and Hunter Henry, he and Hunter Henry are going to be the Boston tea party spelled T E like tight end. And I am so mad that for months, for months, people, we were thinking about this tight end group and nobody came up with it. And before you tell me, okay, I realized Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski used to go by this back in 2011 or whenever. So excuse me for missing the nickname coming out a decade ago. But either way, John Smith, Hunter Henry, Boston Tea Party, fantastic content right there. We're done with talking about the Patriots, though. Sorry, Andrew. I do always love your Josh Gordon jersey in the background for the YouTubers out there. Uh, but we got some AFC West goodness to talk about today. As always, we're going to go through each team's defining question, most underutilized player, favorite fantasy value pick, wild card scenario, and end things with an over-under. So, Angela, let's kick things off the Denver Broncos. Defining question has to be Drew Locker, Teddy Bridgewater under center. Yes, that is the question. I know that you are the Drew Lock stan of pro football focus, but I definitely side with Teddy Bridgewater in the case of who I think should be under center, just looking at who can benefit and who can increase the output of this offense teddy bridgewater is that guy you know last year he was the third most accurate quarterback in terms of adjusted completion percentage is one of two quarterbacks to support three top 25 fantasy wide receivers curtis samuel dj moore and robbie anderson so for me it's got to be bridgewater's under center and if for some reason drew lock beats him out then okay that means drew lock must have improved or shown some type of growth where okay maybe he won't be airmailing as many balls in 2021 so we can get the ball into the playmakers hands like because that's what we want because they're just littered with so many great wide receivers we just need them to get the ball in their hands get it to judy to Cortland sutton uh we're going to talk about tim patrick i think a little bit later on so yeah i really think that it should be bridgewater as the quarterback I think he can really help this offense and if not if they do go with drew lock then okay i think that means that they've seen growth in him and look the one thing that's good about drew lock from last year he was his pff grade from a clean pocket plus 15th overall and Again, the big time throw rate. You know, you go to Ian's Twitter page, you're going to find all those big time throws. Yeah, because Drew Luck definitely can deliver in those two aspects of the field. The reason I like Drew Locke is not because I think he should be any team's long-term quarterback <laughs> if their main priority is winning. It's because when you have red zone on, you hear the name Drew Locke said, you perk up and you will watch what happens because as many bad things as he does, which is a lot, believe me, he does make some great throws because this guy just thinks he can complete any pass out there on the field. Of course, as we like to do on this podcast, try to come up with, you know, some sort of analytical formula to take what we're seeing and put it, you know, in the numbers and the 
one I came up with was basically an entertainment rate where I took the difference in rate between big time throw rate rank and turnover worthy plays. So 2020 champion Drew Locke, 26 spot difference between his big time throw rate rank and turnover worthy plays. Runner up Patrick Mahomes, 2019 champion was Jameis Winston, 2018 champion Ryan Fitzpatrick, and 2017 champion Deshaun Watson. It holds up, Andrew. It's one of my finer creations, now meaningful in fantasy football or even real life context. Absolutely not. But Red Zone is meaningful to my heart and my life. So, you know, that's why we're talking about it right now. I'm with you. Teddy Bridgewater should be starting under center. He is the better NFL quarterback, which is what the Broncos are hoping for. But let's not fall in love with these Broncos weapons and completely freak out because Teddy was just in one of the best offenses in terms of weapons last year. And we saw what that amounted to 15 passing touchdowns. Credit to him. Mike Curtis, DJ and Robbie all got over a thousand total yards. If touchdowns are as, you know, fluky or, you know, random as some uh, analysts out there like to say, we can see that boom up to an extent still though, man. I mean, Teddy just throughout his career, even though he has been an above average quarterback at times, just hasn't really been fancy. So Judy, hopefully healthy Sutton, hopefully healthy fam. I think Teddy can enable them, but probably could be one of these situations where Teddy more of an enabler than a true producer himself. Now, Andrew, we got our most underutilized player. And I don't mean to keep answering these for you, but this one's just easy. He scored three touchdowns in training camp today. Tim freaking Patrick. Talk to me. Tim Patrick coming out with the sheesh alert. And I was like, did this guy just steal Ian shtick? Like what's going on More people. Here? <laughs> I'm not the only one allowed to say sheesh. It's okay. Um, but anyway, Tim Patrick, nine games last year. I mean, he was best. He was pretty much Denver's best wide receiver overall last year. Again, talk about Judy and his struggles as a rookie, but Tim Patrick was the one few light spot that actually put up production in replace of Cortland Sutton. So nine games, weeks three through 14. So I'm excluding the Kentel Hinton debauchery. <laughs> that game is not existent in any type of analysis that we do when we talk about the Denver Broncos or the New Orleans Saints because Kendall Hinton is a wide receiver playing quarterback. Uh, so the six foot five, Tim Patrick averaged 14.7 fantasy points per game, 21st at the position, and was 3.2 fantasy points over expectation. So he was not only delivering on the opportunities, he was performing above expectation and I still don't understand why he's on the Broncos. Again, I get why he's on the Broncos because they know he's a good player, but I'm surprised that other teams haven't tried to call. I know that uh, Steve from PFF from the big the, the flagship podcast had mentioned something about using Tim Patrick as a potential target for the Saints to look at at the wide receiver position. I think that would be kind of interesting, but yeah, I mean, he was 15th in yards per route run, 2.15 and He's the wide receiver four on an offense, which is just really unfortunate. And you don't necessarily expect him to even start at all with Sutton and Judy as the top two guys with KJ Hamler operating in the slot. So it's a shame that Tim Patrick is buried on this depth chart again. When Seth Williams ended up in Denver, I was like, oh my God, like he's never going to see the light of day. Now he's behind Tim Patrick. But yeah, Tim Patrick's just super underrated and, and hopefully he can get more opportunities. Yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of unrelated, but your guy Deontay Harris uh, with that DUI might be suspended, Andrew. So you might want to start uh, looking elsewhere for your favorite complimentary wide receivers to stand. I think Tim Patrick is the best number four wide receiver in the NFL. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Better than Gabriel Davis, James Washington. Pains me to say better than Auden Tate, Zach Pascal, Darius Slayton. 
maybe just maybe Scotty Miller as well. The one impressive thing to me about Patrick, you know, it's uh, it's I was complaining uh, the other day on Twitter. I tweeted out <laughs> some Odell Beckham highlights, and everyone just says, "Oh, it's all against the Cowboys." Like, who cares? Those those shouldn't even count. And then no less than thirty minutes later, do I have to watch? You know, all the Twitter lose their minds over CD Lamb mossing a Cowboys cornerback in training camp, no less. And that's what apparently matters more than you know real life regular games. But if you want to be that guy, you know, and you're watching Jonathan Taylor's and you're saying, oh, it's just against the Jaguars and Texans. Who cares? Look at Tim Patrick's game log because he was not that guy, pal, last year against the freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Four targets, four catches, 43 yards and a touchdown. Jets, six catches, 113 yards, touchdown, only seven targets. Went for 101 yards against your Patriots, 119 yards against the Dolphins. Those are two pretty damn good secondaries. Four catches, 444 yards, 400 yards, two touchdowns on four targets against the Chiefs. Like he was putting up big numbers against great defenses or just being efficient as hell in the limited chances he had. So Tim Patrick, go to New Orleans, go to Detroit, go anywhere where you cannot be this far behind the depth chart. But, you know, it's nothing against it's great four great wide receivers. So kudos to Denver for building up the situation. Andrew's pointing out his New England hat. That would work <laughs> as well. I wouldn't hate it. I would not hate to see Tim Patrick end up in New England. Would not hate it. All right, Andrew, favorite fantasy value pick from the Denver Broncos. For me, it's going to be whichever receiver is the cheapest of the top two guys. So Corlin Sutton or Jerry Judy, because it depends on the format, because I've seen in different settings, Corlin Sutton be around ahead of Jerry Judy. I've seen Jerry Judy sometimes go ahead of Corlin Sutton. And I was just kind of in a super flex draft where basically I was looking at Corlin Sutton as like the highest ranked player. And Jerry Judy was a couple spots below him. And I was like, do I go Sutton here? Do I go Judy here? And ultimately, I was really higher on Sutton originally. But when you just look at how Teddy Bridgewater operates as a quarterback, very timing based, he's a lot less likely to kind of throw into contested catches or contested situations, which is really more what Sutton's game is. It seems like Jerry Judy might be a better fit for Teddy Bridgewater, whereas Drew Locke might be a better fit for Cortland Sutton. Again, it's not to say Cortland Sutton can't ball out with whoever he's at a quarterback. I mean, he really hasn't that many great quarterbacks in his career up to this point anyway. So again, this is not a knock on Cortland Sutton, but the value is still in Jerry Judy. And again, the guy had no accurate targets last year. Third worst mark in the league in terms of accurate targets thrown his way. And we saw Teddy Bridgewater do this with another receiver. It was Curtis Samuel in 2019. Super inaccurate targets thrown his way. He gets Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater has his completion percentage rise up to number one in the NFL last year. 86% of catchable targets for Curtis Samuel in 2020. So Jerry Judy, I think he's really built to bounce back and... He's the greatest sep- or top 10 separator already in the NFL, according to the Denver Broncos general <laughs> manager. So, yeah, I mean, if, if that's not I mean, coach speaks one thing, but GM speak, oof, Ian, that's totally that's a whole other ballgame. I don't, I don't disagree with the call. I mean, you Judy's wide receiver cornerback tape is already borderline erotic. The problem last year was drops. And as we tell you guys, every other podcast, don't need to worry about the drops. <laughs> that's why Deontay Johnson is my wide receiver freaking 15 this year. I'm going to go with the actual cheapest receiver in this offense that will be starting. And that is KJ Hamler, who last year, I mean, coming out as a 46 overall pick, a lot of people were excited about this guy. I mean, he, you know, just one of those guys that was truly fast, fast. I know he's not the biggest guy in the world, but they drafted him the second round to be a starter. And he really was as soon as he was healthy. The problem was that wasn't the case to start the year. Week week one inactive, finally gets back on the field for two weeks, starting to make some things happen, immediately misses two more games. And when you look at a season long stat line, this is why, you know, I do agree, like, 
going off per game is better than cumulative uh, season-long stats. But as you brought up with the Kendall Hinton game, like we still need to go even deeper a lot of times with these guys. So in Handler's case, he technically played 13 games, but two of those games was where he either got hurt or just wasn't. He played fewer than 20% of the offensive snaps, fluky. And then we have the Kendall Hinton game. So reality, 56 targets in 10 games. That's a 90 target pace, man. That's not insignificant. And to your point, Teddy did enable Curtis Samuel and, and Robbie and DJ could feasibly be three wide receivers so Hamler like I understand why he's going behind Judy and Sutton but you can't draft many just proven number I wouldn't say he's proven but he's locked in as their number three starting wide receiver and a lot of the guys he's going next to it's like the Josh Palmers of the world we're like we're hoping they're a number three eventually I think Hamler has that more locked in so nothing crazy but when you're, you're looking for a wide receiver at the bottom of that draft just realize Hamler big play potential we can see them get him more design touches like similar not, not deep Samuel as he's way smaller uh, than Debo but in terms of having uh, Locke or Bridgewater I think Hamler's targets would probably be the most stable uh, compared to other guys because yeah we gotta worry about contested catches and stuff like that but what easier way to get someone the ball than on those jet sweeps that we know Hamler can make big things happen with Andrew let's talk some running backs now what's your wild card scenario and do you got a running back combo for me uh, so we got Melvin there Gordon go. getting, go. getting his butt cut from the Denver Broncos before week one so we can unleash Javante Williams' will onto the Denver Broncos because this is just a perfect fit for him. Again, Javante Williams, super explosive rookie coming out of UNC, shared a backfield with Michael Carter, but he was the 1A in the 1B or in the two-man backfield. He's just, he's super explosive. His missed tackle rate was nearly off the charts. Again, last year, we were talking about Antonio Gibson and how great his missed tackle rate was on like 90 touches. We're like, ah, it's a, like, it's a small sample size. Like maybe it doesn't mean that much. Javante Williams basically put up the exact same missed tackle rate, except it was on twice as many touches. So again, if that's telling you anything, if you're a big Antonio Gibson fan, you should be in on Javante Williams. And if he follows that type of same path, okay, we saw Antonio Gibson. Darius Geis was in front of him. Adrian Peterson in front of him. They were both gone by the time week one happened. So Javante Williams, PFF's number one inside zone power runner in 2020. Broncos finished second in inside zone power runs in 2020. So I think the fit is perfect. And if Javante Williams is that main guy, like second round pick, third, like he's going to be a running back that you're definitely going to want on your team. That'd be expected, you know, bell cow usage there because, you know, they also brought in Mike Boone. It wouldn't make sense if they cut Gordon. I mean, that late season DUI, he didn't get he didn't get found guilty, but it got dismissed. And, you know, I was reading, uh, I think, uh, listen to Denver Post or something, reading that George Patton, who wasn't in his uh, position of power at that point when it occurred. But apparently, if, if he was going to get a guilty plea and they could really get rid of the guarantees, like he was very close to being cut. And when you look at it, okay, they brought in Boone, they brought in Williams. It could be a competition between Melvin Gordon and Royce Freeman. And if they cut Gordon, they're going to save about twice as, as much as they would if they end up cutting Freeman. So that's a lot of running back moves that they've made this offseason to not, uh, you know, move on from Gordon as their starter. This is, again, a situation where if you look at his totals last year, they weren't that bad. But if you actually watch the games and then look at how he did per game compared to some of the other guys, anyone's idea of, you know, average to below average running back at best. So I love it, Andrew. I, I had the exact same thing written down. We don't share notes before these podcasts and are both of our wild card scenario it's, a, it's the same it's the same cut. thing as it's the same thing as the nick chubb carlos hyde thing it's like and it's like the Leonard exact Fournette, same scenario james robinson without the draft capital for james yeah Ford. it's the same thing but you know that's why melvin gordon has like an adp at all is because he's like the starter quote unquote but 
we, we can all read between the lines. Like he's a, he has an expiring contract. Like, why are they be like, you know, we're going to feature Melvin Gordon after we trade up for this rookie running back. That's like super explosive. Like, come on, here? let's do that. What are we doing here? Andrew over under 8.5 wins. There's a minus minus one thirty lean on the over, which surprised me. What do you got? I'm going to go on the under <laughs> because it's quarterback play. Yeah. It sucks because Denver is loaded basically all across the board, but quarterbacks drive wins in sports or in in football in football in all sports in in football specifically quarterbacks drive wins and i think that at the time these these numbers were kind of like out at eight and a half it had like that potential that aaron Rodgers could potentially end up in denver so i think that is actually kind of like artificially inflated to an extent so for me i'm gonna go with the under yeah just the fact the over is juiced like that which again surprised me i'll take the under as well maybe they can get there with teddy playing ball control ball and this defense taking a step forward obviously getting you know hopefully finally getting a full season of von miller and bradley chubb just wreaking havoc right next to each other would be great patrick sartan and kyle fuller should help the secondary calm down a little bit moving forward but again it's about quarterbacks and they are just as well you know we talked about the nfc west uh, last time we couldn't stop talking about how good every team is i think we're also going to see that there's quite a few good offenses here in this division and unfortunately the broncos i think aren't gonna be able to keep up in more shootouts than not moving right along to the kansas city chiefs who will be the ones with uh you know all that scoring firepower anytime they play the broncos and everyone else let's talk running backs andrew why is our defining question clyde edwards alaire will he be the guy that we thought he could be in 2020 because last year he could not have run worse yeah. at the goal line. Like it, it was basically like ice cold Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the goal and converted just 10 of his carries inside the five yard line into two, two touchdowns. That's all he got. And despite that fact, you know, he was RB 11 through the first six weeks of the season, 16 fantasy points per game and 21.3 touches per game, 505 rushing yards over the start of the year, ranked second in the league. So for me, I think that you're going to see that, touchdown regression kind of baked in to Clyde Edwards. I think he's going to score more in 2021 because again, this offense is going to find chances to score because it's led by Patrick Mahomes. I'm not worried about them not being able to move the ball down the field. And Edwards is going to benefit the most from it. I think that he's going to find a way to score touchdowns this season. And look, they're talking about using him more in the pass game. And I believe that, you know, last season he was 10th in routes run per game among running backs. So he was already being deployed in that manner, just about using him more in the tart getting him more of actual targets. And I think that Andy Reid is actually talking about actively like adding more to his plate, then that's going to include more targets coming his way. So again, in the third round, I think he was actually hidden here as one of my best values. So yeah, Edward Slayer, I think is a, a really great pick. And the one thing people seem to just not even be paying attention to on the goal line, like if he was two for 10 and the rest of the Chiefs were like eight for eight, like that'd be a very reasonable critique to have. Why was it so much harder for Clyde? Le'Veon, Daryl, Darwin, DeAndre, they all went one for six inside the five-yard line. They couldn't score either. And, you know, this is an offense like the Packers that we see, uh, you know, really like to pass the ball when they get inside the five-yard line. So I'm not saying Clyde necessarily has like 15 rushing touchdowns in his potential range of outcomes. But before before Le'Veon got there, only Joe Mixon, Zeke, and Derrick Henry had more touches than Clyde. I think just the history of Andy Reid's RBs, if we can just zoom out a little bit, shows us all we need to know. Because last year, Clyde, RB21. Before that, Damian, RB25. But people, before that, Kareem Hunt, RB8, RB5. Random Spencer Ware, RB17 year. Jamal Charles, RB2, RB7, RB1. LaShawn McCoy, RB8, 
RB3, RB3, Brian Westbrook, RB1, RB1, RB4, RB7, RB5. The better part of the past two decades, Andy Reid has had a high-scoring fantasy back. Don't let a two-year blimp that was really... I mean, once we zoom in on it more, we can see how much injuries and just adding, you know, players to the equation impacted it. What bigger sign do we need that the Chiefs are committed to Clyde by not drafting someone, not bringing in any other competition than Jarek McKinnon, who we had a legit, his legs are sore report on going on halfway through. his legs through. were tired. He's tired. Even difference. worse. <laughs> Even worse, thank you. Good correction. And that's the guy. Using coffee. That's the guy that's gonna that's the guy that's gonna stop Clyde. Get out of here with that. Clyde Edwards Lair is right where I've, you know, been I think I have him as like my RB14, but literally like I group him in with the rest of those guys. And after we get by him, that's when I'm taking wide receivers. But I would put Clyde right in there in that top 14, top 15 running backs that you should be comfortable taking in the first two rounds of fantasy drafts of all shapes and sizes. Clyde Collider Antonio Gibson. Uh, Gibson. I have them right next to each other, though. Yeah, I'm I, same thing. I have Gibson just the edge. Yeah, but both guys in the top fifteen, absolutely. All right, Andrew, it's Miko Hardman time. Tell me why he's so damn underutilized, unless he's your fantasy value pick. And then, uh, you know, I have not listed for both. Let's talk some Miko Hardman. The Chiefs are really hard to put in superlatives because they're all really good. Because yeah. you have like four top guys like, all right, well, we got to figure out what to talk about. So whatever, no, no rules with the Chiefs. So most underutilized players. So again, Miko Hardman. And I just think that he saw, he showed growth growth last year when a lot of people were just disappointed because he just didn't explode. Like, what is he supposed to do? Like, there are two alphas on the team. Like, he's making the most of his of the opportunities that he gets. And when he was running more routes last year, again, what we call a PFF threat rate, you know, target rate per route run, it increased by 42%, 14.4% to 19% from year one to year two. Second highest rate increase among all wide receivers. Only Robbie Anderson saw a higher increase in target rate per route run. So that tells you right there. Mahomes is literally looking for him more often than his rookie year in his second season. That is growth. So again, the efficiency metrics are all there. You know, he's one of the top in terms of passer rating, generating win targeted because he has Mahomes and he's targeted downfield and he catches a lot of touchdowns. And like those are all things that we like. So cool off of McCole Hardman hate when he just doesn't explode on three targets or four targets a game. Like chill out because I think that he can have a chance to have standalone potential in this offense. And also if anything does happen to Tariq Hill, if anything does happen to Travis Kelsey, like he's the next man up. That is somewhat proven in this offense. So I think we'll call Harmon again, super underutilized, but I think we're going to see it all kind of come together in year three. Last two years, only have eight players that have averaged 10 yards per target, minimum 100 targets. Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Will Fuller, Chris Goblin, Kenny Galladay, Stephon Diggs, Mike Williams, and me, Cole Hardman. Actually, number three on that list behind only A.J., B., and Jefferson. Does he look like the potential exception on this list? Yes, I you know was pimping a similar list all last summer for Chris Herndon, and now I realize he was the exception to the rule on that list. But look where all those guys are being drafted, and Mike Williams is is really the only other guy that's not going inside the top like 20 and that's why he's a value as well and we'll get to that later but Mikko like what was the issue last year? Was Sammy Watkins being there. And yeah, okay, when Sammy was out a little bit too, we saw Pringle and Robinson getting a little more involved. But Watkins was the main problem, and now he's gone, and he's cheaper than he was, man. Last year, per fantasy football calculator, Miko finished the year, I mean, went into the year as the wide receiver 43 and full point per reception scoring. Right now, he's wide receiver 47. So the biggest issue is gone, and the guy who was already, you know, just a value, it's not like he lost your draft because you took Miko Hardman around 
around 10 or 11 last year. Now he's even a few spots cheaper. So Miko, you know, he didn't live up to it in 2020. 2021's a new year. We can get the guy even cheaper than before. So Andrew, do you have another value pick? Or are you also in on Miko where he's going? So yeah, McCullough, I don't mind where he's going. So my value pick was Edward Slayer. So I'll shift back up to my yeah. defining question. Cause again, we're going to just, there's no rules when it comes to the Chiefs. <laughs> and one of my questions was, is Kelsey, is Kelsey worthy of being drafted where he is? So I've seen him go as early as three, five. And again, it could depend on the format that you're in. But I think that we're baking a lot of that ADP into him just being exactly what he was last year. Like being this stalwart option that was beyond better than every other tight end. And I just don't know if that's going to necessarily be the case. So the past three, I mean, it's basically been the past five seasons. Kelsey's been the tight end one, but looking back at the past three seasons, so 2018, he scored 1.4 fantasy points per game, more than the second tight end. 2019, it was 2.3 and 2020 it was 4.6. So it's literally doubled in three consecutive seasons. And I just have some concerns that we're chasing after last year's production. I don't know if that's necessarily the right move because if you look at expected fantasy points, so he was second in terms of the tight end position in fantasy points scored above expectation. Again, part of that reason is because he's good. So take that into consideration. But he also had career high in touchdowns and red zone targets. So that's one thing that I want to look at. And we just talked about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire scores more of these rushing touchdowns, you talked about the other running backs too. Like they all struggled to score touchdowns. So... Where did those touchdowns go? Oh, right. They went to Travis Kelsey. Like, that's where they went into the offense. So, for me, when I look at Kelsey as a middle first-round pick, and then I see Darren Waller, who scored the most fantasy points per game among all players from weeks 13 to 17, or George Kittle in round three. I, I like the value of those guys better as elite tight ends that can finish tight end one at the position. Again, Kelsey's been the guy. But I do think that there are two other options that can do it as well, and they don't cost a middle of the first round option. So that's just one something I want to share about about Travis Kelsey. Right, now, I've had a couple people ask me like if they can start their fantasy drafts anywhere. Like, what would you want to do? And right now, I would like to go spot one, get Christian McCaffrey, loop around, freaking pray to whatever god you believe in that Darren <laughs> Waller is still there for you at the round of end of round two get Waller or even Kittle at that point. And then they'll have an awesome wide receiver still sitting there at pick 25. So that's my favorite kind of just general. If, if, if I have whatever pick I want in a 12 team league, that's what I want. Are you with me there, Andrew? Or is there another spot you've been liking? Yeah, no, I think that McCaffrey and cook are just no doubt players yeah. just in terms of the volume that they get among running backs. Like even like, I think Zeke is kind of close to that territory too, but I know some people have some concerns about Ezekiel Elliott just because is he good anymore? I don't know. But again, yeah. like you want Christian McCaffrey, like, like you can pick, like you want him because he, it has the potential to basically be two players on your roster. Like there's just, there are really good running backs and we talked about some of them already today, but he's just not, he's on another, another level over under 12 and a half wins. Minus 125, lean on the under. Where you got him? Are we not doing the wild card? Are we skipping it? Oh, my bad. Wild card. Wild card. <laughs> I think Byron Pringle could potentially be the number two receiver on this team. Only two <laughs> career games, more than five targets. One of them, six catches, 103 yards, and a score. That was in that Colts game from a couple years ago where they didn't have Tyreek, and Mahomes still made that insane play to Byron Pringle. Also had another game, four catches, 52 yards, and a touchdown. The Chiefs love him. You know, we've been getting these glowing reports about him all offseason. And, you know, we gave Clyde the benefit of the doubt, saying, hey, they let Le'Veon Bell go. They didn't feel a need to really replace him. The same thing. 
anything can be said for Miko Harbin, or maybe should it be said for Byron Pringle? Only guy they really added was Cornell Powell in round five, who I like, and I have to actually take in Cornell Powell at the very end of some drafts, but still a fifth-round pick that didn't really do anything of substance at Clemson until he was a uh, redshirt senior, I believe. So Byron Pringle, just if you want to buy into some of his offseason coach speak, is someone that I think could, you know, at least has a as you know a forty percent chance of being the guy we want Miko Harbin to be at a fraction of the price. So you know you could also call it the favorite fantasy value pick. As Andrew said, all the rules are out the window when we're talking on the Chiefs. But Byron Pringle could be the number three receiver behind Kelsey and Tyreek on the Chiefs this year, and it shouldn't come as a huge surprise. Once you pop the fun, don't stop Pringles. <laughs> Byron Pringle. That was the same guy I had as a wild card because okay. I cannot buy any. I can't do Demarcus Robinson. I just can't do it. No. So with can't him, I'd rather just take Pringle, my last pick, than take Demarcus Robinson. Just the guy, the guy they just have him to block. Like that's what he does, and he's actually gotten opportunities too. And he just doesn't do any. Like I don't understand how bad his efficiency metrics are. Again, I think it goes back to because he's run blocking a lot of the time. But yeah, give me Pringle over Robinson and and your guy Powell. Twelve and a half wins, minus one twenty five. Lean on the under. What do you got, Andrew? Again, the math, the math probably says go under and it probably makes sense, but I don't really care because they have Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to go with the over here again in my time of like the past 20 years in living in New England. I could have just been betting the Patriots overs and just making money all these years. And I just never did. And now I'm not going to miss that opportunity with Mahomes because that's he's the best quarterback and these teams win a lot of games. So, again, it's not going to surprise me at all if Chiefs go 14 and 3, 15 and 2. Trying those, those just really sound really weird to me because of the 17 game season. So I'm going to go over. I'm going to go under. I do think they go like 12 and five still win division and all that. It is kind of funky how often they can come out on top in these close games. And yeah, I guess having the best quarterback we've maybe ever seen uh, can be that trump card for you. But last year, for them to go 14 and two and only have, you know, an expected win loss of 10.5 and uh, 5.5. I mean, it just tells you they weren't quite as dominant as a lot of our teams out there. And I remember I got, you know, ripped alive because uh, I did this uh, like before the playoffs, like who's the most complete team i didn't add any oh, yeah. extra weight to the quarterback so it was a decent article idea if you knew the kind of colts, behind colts, it. colts are number one right colts are up there yeah and, st- and of course the pff twitter account just goes all right ian harsh's most complete teams colts number one it's like god but anyway throughout that and if you do stuff like that and if you look at the pass offense the run offense the blocking the you know different levels of defense you know, really break these teams down into eight separate categories like yeah they need Patrick Mahomes to continue to be the world beater he's always been because he's covering up for a hell of a lot of issues throughout the rest of the team and you know we all know the salary cap apparently doesn't exist in Kansas City chill out I know it exists people but they do a good very good job getting around it they are still you know one of these stars and scrubs uh, teams and I think that can be risky business where you're one injury away from being in a much worse spot than a lot of other teams. So I'm going to go slight under. I still, you know, would call the Chiefs the Super Bowl fa- uh, favorites overall and particularly to come out of the AFC. So nothing against them, you know, in a one game situation, but I do think we're going to see them take a little bit of a step back in terms of just the sort of win loss regular season dominance that we saw in 2020. 
people before we move on we have some very important ads to get to uh, i want to give a shout out to our friends at fantrax fantrax is nfl fantasy football league manager is the most customizable easy to use and feature rich platform in the entire industry pff is gearing up to play our leagues on fantrax this season one of my favorite features is that you can actually auto generate player salaries for your league i mean you can literally customize this any way you want also contract options you can make your keepers all funky whatever you're into whichever league you're in you can customize it exactly the way you want if you're coming from another site no problem at all fantrax can import any of your current leagues sign up and play now at fantrax.com pff and get this people get a chance to win a free autograph jersey from josh allen that is fantrax.com pff the home of fantasy sports go get you that josh allen jersey also got to give a shout out to our new sponsor friends over at manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped for this exclusive offer for you 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code pff at manscaped.com get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pff at manscaped.com that's 20 percent free shipping Manscaped.com, co-PFF, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Next up, Andrew, we have the consensus worst team in this division, Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden, uh, what's that website? How long is John Gruden here or whatever? And it's telling you how much money he's making. Always funny. I will say for those that don't watch many Raiders games, I don't blame you, but as much flack as John Gruden gets with everything, the guy is still a great play caller, and you can really tell that in the first you know, 15, 20 plays of every game when they're still scripting things out. Unfortunately, when your defense is giving up 30 per game and you're you know, a top 10 offense, but much closer to 10 than one, tough to win football games in the NFL. So Andrew, what is your defining question for the 2021 Las Vegas Raiders? My defining question is, can Darren Waller, finish as the tight end Ooh. one in fantasy football and dethrone Travis Kelsey in the same division. It's, it's wild that we're, I'm tying these two things together, but of course that's what I'm going to bring always bringing the fire <laughs> on the PFF fantasy football podcast. And here is the plan for Darren Waller. Okay. So last year, 25 red zone targets, third most in the NFL only caught six for touchdowns. So retrospect, Travis Kelsey was up North of 10 and the, some of the other players, again, Devonte Adams was above 10 touchdowns. Nelson Aguilar, left the team his 36 percent end zone target share was the highest by any player that switched teams this offseason so there's an opportunity for more end zone targets for darren waller to potentially scoop up you talked about Derek carr how he's underrated he is underrated vastly and he was his touchdown percentage was really low in the red zone last year uh 16.8 percent was actually the low of his career it was lower than his four-year rolling average 21 percent, and the league average which is 23 percent. which is, is again it's kind of one of those fluky stats i mean you look at it well it's because josh jacobs scored like a million touchdowns last year rushing the ball so for me i see that this is an opportunity for waller to potentially have a spiking touchdown production because that's obviously what vaulted travis kelsey for another year to be such an advantageous option at the tight end position and I think that's why Waller could potentially finish as a tight end one. The Raiders are going to have to throw a lot more, I think, than they're going to than they would like to. They have the most difficult schedule based on Vegas implied uh, win totals. So I do think that they're going to have to throw the ball more aggressively, and that's going to hurt Josh Jacobs, who we'll probably talk about. Like Josh Jacobs, I think it was Graham Barfield from FantasyPoints.com. He tweeted out the splits between Josh Jacobs and like wins, and it was like twenty one points per game in losses. It's like ten because he doesn't score touchdowns. So. Yeah. In those cases, if the Raiders are losing a bunch of games, I think it's going to be the Darren Waller show. I think that's going to lead him to catching more touchdowns, whether they're garbage time or not. I do think that Waller has a chance to 
unseat Travis Kelsey as a tight end one this season. And if he doesn't, if he just matches him, then okay, you got him in the second round, so you're already feeling good about it. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, come on. I'm not, I'm not ranking Waller over Kelsey. Let's not get crazy here, people. But no, that's fair. And again, I have Kelsey, but it's, yeah. it's the price. They're in the same tier. Like since 2019, Kelsey has 269 targets. Waller has 255. If those touchdowns just swing a little bit in his favor, and you're like, you're talking about uh, some of these uh, regression analysis tell us that they might, we could see Waller knock off the king of the fantasy tight end world. And yeah, man, I just don't really see this defense doing anything better this year which means they should be passing the ball even more often against a schedule that seems seemingly will be up on them more often so last year the Raiders were tied with the Titans for the largest ranking differential between scoring offense and scoring defense and I think we're gonna see that happen again man so the big thing for me is can Derek Carr make a Ryan Tannehill-esque eighth year leap I don't think the answer is yes to the same extent <laughs> as Tannehill and especially in fantasy land Carr just doesn't run enough to really be relevant and the way the Raiders are so slow paced we just don't see these uh, big explosions from Carr but when he focuses all his targets on Waller everything's fine but put some respect on Derek Carr's name I mean yards per attempt last year he was tied for six tied for ninth in just a completion rate tied for fifth in big time throw rate and number eight overall among 44 qualified quarterbacks in PFF passing grades so you know he doesn't chuck the ball like downfield a ton I get it but he has gotten better and uh, I believe I had a stat for it to put it more in perspective usually try to but yeah all right last year so overall he's only 28th ranked in a, a average target depth when he has uh, been pressured in 2.5 seconds so that is the problem for Carr because if, if this offensive line takes a step back which judging for some of their offseason moves losing Rodney Hudson uh, and things like that looking like he could if he starts getting pressured a lot that's where I'm concerned for the rest of the offense but damn man they can keep this guy upright maybe rugs maybe Brian Edwards start to show us a little something I think we could again be looking at a top 10 scoring offense so credit to Carr for even putting them in that conversation Andrew most underutilized player let's talk some Henry Ruggs right I was going to mention Josh Jacobs here okay just that's because he's, he's not involved in the passing game enough and they signed yeah. King and Drake so it's, it's basically like any hope that we had because Jacobs is explosive in the passing game like this is how he was used at Alabama and and that's why again like you mentioned Henry Ruggs like that's why I'm concerned that they can talk about using rugs in this way and that way from Alabama. They didn't do that with Josh Jacobs. This is the same freaking thing. So if they didn't want to use Josh Jacobs, like how he was using Alabama, like why should we believe that they're going to do the same thing to Henry Ruggs? So I'll lead it to you then with, with rugs. Yeah, I mean, I understand targets can be more of a factor of getting open, but to never throw the guy that you deemed the best wide receiver in the draft more than five targets in a game when he's, you know, averaging 10.5 yards per target, 17.4 yards per catch. I mean, good things generally happen when they threw the ball to Ruggs. They just played Nelson Aguilar over him. So it kind of looks to me like a Miko Harbin situation, though, man. Like the issue for Ruggs last year was Nelson Aguilar. They let him go, wanted him back, whatever. Only brought in John Brown. Yeah, it is actually more than the Chiefs brought in. It's not a one-to-one. -one. But either way, Ruggs is in a better situation now than he was last year just by having Aguilar out of the picture. And he's going as the wide receiver 49 this year compared to wide receiver 42 last year so again someone that i think where he's going in drafts you're looking at uh, a decent enough value will he actually get those targets to come to fruition i don't know because man we already got gruden coming out here complimenting uh you know not the receivers we want him to saying Smokey brown still has those jets and he had to note that zay jones is the best conditioned player on the raiders so i'm just worried we see another issue of last year where man i was literally looking you know prepping for this podcast 
podcast and I see Henry Ruggs never having more than five targets. Brian Edwards never having more than three targets. And I was like, who the hell did have targets on this team last year? And my lights just went out. That's kind of spooky. Wow, that's a sign, man. Darren Waller, 180 targets confirmed. Oh, did this die? Sorry about that, everyone. It had a massive bolt of lightning go off and briefly knock off my power right as I was getting into how there's so many available targets for Darren Waller this year because they don't chuck it to their wide receivers. And people, I was about to say he can clear 150 targets. And then God came down and said, the hell with that. He's sending us that lightning. Maybe 200 targets is on the table for Darren Waller this year. I don't know. Maybe maybe we should start you know, evaluating when lightning's getting struck during podcasts into our rankings, Andrew, but, oh man, what do you think about Darren Waller? I mean, I love Darren Waller. I think that he's, I think that he's going to be like, again, like I talked about it already earlier, just, I think he has a chance to be the tight end one this year, dark house, dark. It's, it's weird to think that the tight end two, the consensus for the most part, except Nathan Yankee, who's yeah. firmly on the George Kittle tight end too, which again, I don't necessarily totally disagree with it, but again, the value is there with Waller at the end of the second round. And even sometimes of the third round. So is the answer to which wide receiver to draft in Las Vegas? Just no, that's pretty much the question for, for the, for the most part. Again, when I went back and watched Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, try to figure out, okay, like do any of these guys like have a chance to break out? And again, like Ruggs was underwhelming. Like, had Edwards just didn't play enough. Like he was better before he got hurt and, and Edwards, you know, he was my wild card, but again, he had a hundred percent catch rate on his catchable targets, 142.6 passer rating, which was fifth best in the NFL last year. Again, it was only 14 targets that he saw last year, but he was efficient on his targets that he at least saw. But at the end of the day, my main takeaway was Darren Waller is like Derek Carr's like only options. Like, right. Drop back throw. Okay. Darren Waller. Like where are, where is Darren Waller? Like he targets Darren Waller. Like his life depends on it. And I, that's going to continue into 2021 until they make a splash at receiver or something like that. Just, they haven't really done that yet. And none of these guys scream like target me. Like I'm a target magnet. Darren Waller is that target magnet. Darren Waller, elite player, elite target getter. Sounds like an elite fantasy football draft pick to me. Andrew, do you have a wild card scenario for our 2021 Las Vegas Raiders? We'll go with Kenyon Drake outscores josh jacobs wow back to back right on the same page go off sir yeah because it's just the usage that Kenyon drake could see in this offense as the potential pass catching back i think just favors out over the season more than josh jacobs we already talked about how the raiders have one of the most difficult schedules we talked about how josh jacobs struggles when the team loses games if Kenyon drake is the pass catching back from 2017, 2019 Drake 12th and overall targets among running backs averaged nearly 60 targets per season. If Drake is getting these looks in the passing game, again, he also has shown that he can pick up the slack on early downs as well. So Drake, again, I, I hate to knock on Jacobs because I think that he's the superior talent, but at the same time, unless John Gruden pulls a full reversal and makes Josh Jacobs, the freaking pass catching back and turns Kenyon Drake into his Cardinals role, which I don't think is going to happen. Then Kenyon Drake is just the better value you can get really late. And if Jacobs gets hurt, okay, boom, like Kenyon Drake's probably going to take on a three down workload again, not in a great offense, but you don't necessarily need that. You need volume and Kenyon Drake is really a good value, like outside the top 40 running backs. If we're assuming it's going to be more of a one-two punch than in past years, I mean, Jacobs last year had 45 targets, Jalen Rashard and Devontae Booker combined for 44. So we have this 90 target pie that if Drake is the lead receiving back, we would seemingly, you know, expect him maybe get 66% of it or so. 
we're talking about 60 targets plus 100, 150 early down carries. That, I think, would be enough of a shift in the target share for Drake to potentially beat out Josh Jacobs. So I continue to not touch Jacobs even as a low-end RB2 at this point. I just don't think the upside is worth the cost for a likely atrocious Raiders team. But Kenyon Drake is the guy where when I see him in the mid-RB30s range and I only have you know one running back by this point in the draft, I don't hate him because he is kind of in that A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams, like Latavius Murray role of like handcuff plus backs. We could still get some solid flex value. And then if the starter does go down, I mean, we're looking at a legit 80, 90% snap rate potentially where he could work as an RB one based on volume and volume alone. So Kenyon Drake lead fantasy football back, heard it here first. Maybe it's a wild card. So don't freak out everybody over under Andrew is set at seven minus one ten both ways. What are you feeling? I'm going on the under, I don't like the schedule. And we talked about how good Carr was last year. I'm afraid that even if he comes down a little bit from his performance, then that's going to be not enough to help this team win a lot of games. Like again, they've won more games since John Gruden started there, but this could be the season where things kind of unravel and it's like, okay, like we signed this guy to a 10 year contract. Why? (laughs) So yeah, I, I don't think that Carr again, He's underrated. I do think he's a good real life quarterback, but I don't know if he's going to be able to do enough to increase the total output of this offense to make up for the bad defense and questionable coaching. So I'm going to take the under. Raiders defense ranking points per game allowed since drafting car in 2014, 32nd, 22nd, 20th, 20th, 32nd, 24th, 30th, all combined 32nd. I got the under as well. Don't think I see the offense taking a slight step back. I still think they'll be an above average unit, but I don't think they're going to necessarily be top 10 again defense. I don't see them taking much of a step forward with that. You get a below average team, you know, six or fewer wins is, you know, asking them to be pretty bad, but I don't know, man, the shoe fits in this division. I think we should probably be fading most Raiders other than our guy, Darren Waller and fantasy leagues of all shapes and sizes. Andrew, we've reached the final team, Los Angeles, Chargers. It would have been more fitting for the lightning to go off, you know, while we were talking about the Chargers, but it is what it is. Let's talk defining question for the 2021 edition. 2021 question for the Los Angeles Chargers here to leap for Herbert or regression. I know you talked about this on the quarterbacks podcast that you did with Rich Rebar. So again, I I'll just kind of reiterate a little bit of what you guys talked about. And I, I do think that regression is definitely a concern for Justin Herbert, again, his pass rating under pressure was better than his passer rating from a clean pocket. It's not necessarily a great indication of future play. Again, the offensive line is vastly improved. I think that's really important to call out. Okay, finished 30th in PFF pass blocking grade last year, 32nd in run blocking grade. And they've revamped it with all new additions through the draft and through it for agency. They've talked about using more of the new offensive coaching staffs, talked about using Herbert's athleticism and arm talent, which again, bodes well potentially for fantasy, but it comes down to the price in which you have to pay for Justin Herbert versus some of these other quarterbacks in that tier. I know you guys talked about Jalen Hurts, talked about Joe Burrow. And if Herbert is the clear cut, you know, QB six, I think is kind of where he fall in our consensus rankings. I still think that's a little bit high. I mean, he's in the same tier as a lot of those other guys for me with Burrow with Jalen hurts. So for me, again, if they're going three or four rounds later, I think that's ultimately where you want to go. I don't think Herbert's going to like, nuke your team necessarily but at the same time i don't know if he really has a lot of top five upside i mean he was a top 10 quarterback last year but other quarterbacks throw more other quarterbacks run more and again there probably will be some type of regression you can expect for justin herbert so again i think the value is not really there for him so i probably won't draft that much herbert 
5.2% touchdown rate, certainly a number that, Hey, maybe Herbert is even better than he looked last year, but that's going to be a tough rate to beat five rushing touchdowns. That's a mark. He met just once at Oregon. You know, he is a pass first quarterback. Great for the Los Angeles chargers offense. Maybe not so much uh, for his future fantasy success. And yeah, I think everything he said about, you know, some of the more stable metrics uh, and him just not really proving that he can dominate from those spots yet. I know not having Anthony Lynn there is probably going to help the play calling of it. And just, you know, when they're actually throwing the ball, but even then, man, first and second down passes last year, Herbert was the 17th highest graded quarterback. First read passes 17th, 29th from a clean pocket. Like it's not even just how good he was under pressure. It's how average he really not was. <laughs> yeah. Borderline, not good in some of these other situations. So yeah. Like if the pressure comes back to earth, like that's going to be a problem, but the bigger problem might be if he continues to be more average to not good in the more stable situations. So obviously weapons everywhere, the offensive line could help. I see the path, but I'm with you. I haven't gotten much Herbert uh, throughout this off season. I have him ranked a uh, seventh, uh, I think eighth. I just moved Rogers uh, back in front of him, but really after Russell Wilson and Rogers, I'm more inclined to wait until the rookies come around and then maybe get cousins or Fitzpatrick or Baker later. It's almost, you know, I don't want to call it the QB dead zone, but really from Herbert to kind of like Stafford, those are the guys that I'm just not finding myself taking a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, we still are going to advocate a late round quarterback approach unless you can get a guy that is elite. And yeah. I don't know, look, Herbert's had one season. So, and it was, it was really good, but you know, top 10, he was a top 10 quarterback. He wasn't a top three quarterback. Like, I think that's an important you know, difference to make. And I don't know if he necessarily has this top five upside, like a lot of the other quarterbacks do. And if you have to get him at seven, it's just a little pricey. PFF Seth has got to be just, you know, fingers crossed, come back to earth, Herbert, quit making that uh, <laughs> one damn quote look so bad. I love every single one of Seth's articles. Hopefully, I, I hope for Seth's uh, uh, sake almost that Herbert does just have one average year and he can get some of the haters off his back, but he'll keep doing, he'll keep doing him regardless. Keep tearing up those uh, flag football fields in Canada, Seth. Okay. Most underutilized player. And why is it freaking Number one fan of the PFF fantasy football podcast himself, Mike Williams. He didn't say that, but he did come on the pod and you all should check it out. If you didn't, Mike Williams is not my most underutilized oh, player. Andrew. I think that, I think Mike Williams gets decent. We'll, we'll talk about, he's one of my, he's my favorite value. He's my favorite value. So Fine. my most un underutilized Fine. player is just, is Austin Eckler. And it just goes to the point of, I want him to see the premium touches at the goal line. Like that's what I want to see from Austin Eckler. You know, we've talked about the offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi coming in here. He's talked about using Eckler. He's compared Eckler to Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles, Alvin Kamara. Like that's what we get with Eckler is an Alvin Kamara type ceiling where Alvin Kamara just doesn't get the crappy touches that have no fantasy value whatsoever in between the twenties. But when they're in the red zone, he's getting carries, he's getting targets. And that's what I want to see from Austin Eckler. That's going to vault him to be a top five running back. I know that we're really high on Austin Eckler at PFF, especially in terms of PPR because look, 2019, he was the RB four overall last year with Austin, with uh, Justin Herbert under center. 19.1 fantasy points per game, which was sixth, 18 touches per game. That was ninth. You know, his per game pace would have put him over a hundred catches in a 16 game season with Justin Herbert under center. So, and again, I also checked those splits too with Keenan Allen and there really wasn't too big of a disparity yeah. between them. So I don't know if there's, there's necessarily a connection between those players being active. Cause I know that there were some times where some of those guys missed time, but yeah, Austin Eckler, that's how, that's how he hits his ceiling. Like, again, he's not someone you need to spend a top five pick on. Again, he goes at the end of the first round, beginning in the second round. And again, some people might be kind of 
shooken off of him just a bit because he's not this like workhorse guy. So you look at like a Joe Mixon or Najee Harris, but again, it goes back to his, how he makes up ground is because the majority of his touches are receptions, are targets out of the backfield. And if he gets those touches near the goal line, which again, Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson, my guy, LR three, Larry Roundtree, the third, like, I'm not sure where those guys are really going to fall in the pecking order. I mean, those guys are not established whatsoever. So why would you give them really touches anyway? We could just give them to Austin Eckler. Yeah. The amount of six round hype for Larry Roundtree, man, people are going insane. I understand <laughs> we get the James Robinson's occasionally undrafted guy, but you know what I mean? But for every James Robinson, you know, there's dozens of, Eno Benjamins, justice Hills, Darwin Thompson's that don't work out. So we need to monitor that because maybe Roundtree does beat out Kelly and Jackson. He gets that early down roll. The more likely scenario is maybe Austin freaking Eckler, the guy they're paying to be the RB one takes on a much larger role than we're even potentially accounting for. With our PFF projections, I took the carries and I just, you know, got an expected like projected fantasy opportunity score out of it. Usual carry gets you 0.6 PPR points. Usual target gets you 1.61 last 10 years. Doing that for our 2021 projections, the top six running backs in projected opportunity, CMC, Dalvin Cook, Kamara, Zeke, Saquon, and Austin Eckler. The opportunities there, I feel like he still gets, you know, not, not hate per se, but people underrate him because of his come up as an undrafted guy originally being the backup to Melvin Gordon. Austin Eckler is just a fantastic football player. And, you know, for, for Zeke to almost like people to feel better about him after seeing the one pick of him shirtless, you know, having the six pack, like every time Austin Eckler takes his shirt off, man, I, man, I feel like, uh, you know, just a situation where you're seeing one of the more Jack guys uh, that you see in a while. So Eckler might not be, you know, your typical three down, you know, Derrick Henry grinder, obviously not, but that's fine. We want someone that catches passes and Kamara and McCaffrey are pretty much the only guys that might do it better than Eckler in the entire league. So that was actually my wild card scenario was Eckler being the overall RB one. I think it's in his range of outcomes that they can give him, you know, 200 plus carries either way, perfectly fine pick. And the first early second, man, I would take as a personal insult. If you don't take Austin Eckler, want to talk to Mike Williams though. He's your favorite fantasy value pick. It's just a shame that we have a guy that had an 11 touchdown season, not 10. He had a rushing score in there as well. 11 touchdown season, thousand yard season still doesn't have a year with more than even 90 targets. 58 players had more targets than Mike Williams last year, despite him being seventh in yards per target, man, if he can just break his fall a little bit more often on some of these contested catch, he has his otherwise just get the target share. He deserves. We can see Mike Williams easily flirt with wide receiver two value and fantasy Andrew and He's going outside the top 40. What's what, are we missing anything? We just got to draft Mike Williams. Yes. Draft Mike Williams. Again, you covered how he can get over a thousand receiving yards. I'll hit on how he's going to get the double digit touchdowns. Okay. So he has 24 end zone targets since the start of 2019, which ranks eighth most in the NFL. And for some reason that blows my freaking mind, Big Mike Williams, the contested catch savant, has caught just three of them for touchdowns. He's 24 end zone targets and just three for touchdowns. Every other player who has seen that amount of end zone target volume has averaged at least 12 touchdowns. So it would be one thing if I didn't believe Mike Williams could or was an effective big catch receiver. Like if I if he was a smaller player or something like that, okay, like that makes sense. Like he's just not a good red zone guy, but. Mike Williams, like that's part of his game. Like, again, it's just been bad luck that he hasn't been able to score a lot of these touchdowns and then things have been out of bounds, like things like that. So I really believe that Mike Williams has touchdown regression kind of working in his favor. And I think that's why we're going to see a big year out of him. 
Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, we know they're starting. Number three wide receiver spot is a little bit up for grabs. We got Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson was starting to come on towards the end of last year. And maybe just maybe third round pick in Tennessee, Josh Palmer could be that guy. I'm starting to drink some more Palmer Kool-Aid. I'm in this uh, uh, just dynasty draft song going right now. And I took Palmer today in like round 17 felt great about it. He has a potential to be the number three receiver sooner rather than later this year in this field stretching role. That was basically the best thing he always did at Tennessee regardless. And if the Mike Williams thing doesn't go great, he could be gone next year. And now we're already talking about Palmer as Justin Herbert's number two pass game option as early as 2022. Are you buying Palmer with me, Andrew? Yes, I'm definitely buying Palmer again. He was someone that stood out a lot, not because of his production, because it was really bad at Tennessee, because he did not have a good quarterback play. But like you mentioned, the average depth of target was there. It was very downfield focused, and he saw a lot of targets in the end zone. So he almost has a similar profile to a Mike Williams. So again, if Mike Williams breaks out, it probably isn't going to be at the same time as Josh Palmer. But if Mike Williams ends up walking next year, you're going to be feeling really good about having Josh Palmer in your dynasty team. Josh Palmer, Diami Brown, when you see third round capital and there's a theoretical open spot and a good offense with three wide receivers, hey, people, worst way to spend. It's not Jalen Guyton. It's not yeah, Jalen Guyton. He was sure. 13th in routes run last year. 13th overall. It's the, it's the Quentin Patton role, man. It infuriates me. He's preaching <laughs> the choir. Put Austin Eckler out there, you know? Yes. If that we had a that means more, more carries for LR3, baby. Let's oh go. Oh, my God. LR3. At least he's <laughs> got a good nickname. Over under 9.5. Oh, no. I got your wild card. What's your wild card, Andrew? Oh, my my wild card was LR3. So just oh he's getting God. some buzz from the Chargers. And again, if they don't end up using Austin Eckler at the goal line, it's going to probably be either LR3 or Joshua Kelly. The one thing that Roundtree did at college was score touchdowns. He scored over 40 touchdowns in college. He's not athletic whatsoever, but he does fit the type of bigger back in between the tackles grinder that would kind of complement an Austin Eckler who's a little bit smaller back. Again, I don't think that, I don't think teams should really just have designated goal line backs at all i don't really i kind of wanted to do more research on like what is a goal line back like what does it actually look like to be a goal line back and to be an effective one because i think that we have this stereotype in our mind that's like just this big like slow guy to be a goal line back and to me it's like does that really make a lot of sense so maybe i'll do some more research on that but uh, yeah i think that one of these backs joshua kelly larry round she could potentially be interesting if eckler isn't seeing you know 20 25 touches a game I would imagine what matters more, like it could honestly be the smaller backs because if you're like the problem I think teams run into is when they do these traditional goal line, triple tight end uh, formations at the one yard line and you have 22 players condensed in this box, keep spreading them out near the goal line, you know, do what the, you know, I know you can combat it and that's why you don't want to pull what the Seahawks did to give you that, you know, Super Bowl back in the day. Uh, I just think that, you know, the more you kind of just use your traditional offense inside the five versus, you know, Know, trying to change things all of a sudden i think there could be some truth to that and that also when, when you uh, eventually look at that see like what teams actually have designated vultures inside the five-yard line because i think mike tolbert once upon a time pissed off so many people that were still you know assuming that teams have these designated goal line backs when i think more times than not austin eckler's uh an exception and uh oh my gosh what's the other one uh, oh, and uh, Chase Edmonds is the potential exception of like, okay, we literally have guys that were getting one or two total carries like inside the five yard line. That's when I'll perk up and listen. But I just see a lot of times where more times than not, it's just the starting running back was tired. He gets taken off the field. They enter the goal line. And now that running back that's in the game stays in the game. 
Finally, Andrew, we have reached our fourth over under nine and a half wins minus one thirty five lean on the under. We're both taking the over, right? Are we four for four. Yes. Going with the over Anthony Lynn is out the door. And with that, his bad coaching is also out the door. They lost seven, one score games last season. So they were in it to win way more games. They were way better than their record showed. And again, you talked about it with Mike Williams, this team is stacked on paper. If they freaking can stay healthy, they're going to win way more games than they were last year. So for me, I'm going to take the over. And when I saw Derwin James trending on Twitter earlier today, my heart almost stopped because I'm like, Oh my God, like, why is he trending on Twitter? Like this can't be good, but it was for a good thing. He did a great cause for one of the Chargers fans. So I'm glad to see Derwin is healthy and thriving. And I'm hoping the chargers hit this over. Brandon Staley, the way he built his all defense with uh, the Rams was so just great because he built all around his two star players, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. He didn't just put Ramsey on the number one receiver. And I'm not saying that's, he did sometimes, you know, when the matchup called for it, but we'd see him in the slot. We'd see him used as, you know, your best player should be used all over the place. We have Joey Bosa and Derwin James. Like, okay, give me Ramsey and Donald. I'm not trying to say that, you know, it's, uh, it's a swap or anything, but if you look around the league, man, and name your number two situation for trying to run that defense again, it very well might be Joey Bosa and Derwin James. So if we're getting that good of a defense with an offense that already looking pretty damn good. And as we talked about plenty of opportunities, to take a step forward. I am with you on the over. Usually we don't agree this much with, with our over under picks. So must be uh, on to something, or maybe that, uh, you know, lightning is just more signs of, uh, you know, we're in, the, we're in the twilight zone right now that's what Not happened to say, we're gonna learn a lot from the eventual uh you know whatever the results of the predictions made on this edition of the pff fantasy football podcast finally andrew we have the afc west division winner to break down chiefs are at minus 250 courtesy of DraftKings sportsbook chargers plus 400 broncos plus 550 raiders plus 2500 which bet do you like the most I think I'll just take some plus money with the chargers. Again, I think that's probably the approach I would do it again. The chiefs, I could probably find a safer, I mean, I could just invest in apple or something like that. If I wanted to, maybe I can make more money because the chiefs, again, the chiefs are probably going to win the division. Like that's obviously why they're the favorite, but I think you can find better odds of a guarantee somewhere else in the stock market. I don't know. GameStop, man, do whatever you want. But I did think GameStop. that what <laughs> I did think that an interesting bet here instead of going the chargers winning the division was just going out for Justin Herbert MVP. I think that the narrative, I mean, if the chargers win the division over the chiefs, chances are Justin Herbert, sorry, PFS Seth, I'm sorry, but he probably didn't regress if, if they're going to end up winning the division. So well, Mahomes got hurt. And then there's your number one contender out either way. Exactly. So again, we talked about how this team is complete. Again, the MVP is all about building a story I and mean, narrative. Like they conquered the great chiefs. So again, Justin Herbert, his MVP odds are plus 1800. So again, that's not like top. That's not the most expensive one and second year quarterback. So I don't hate that instead of just going after the division. I'm with you. Chargers plus 400. I just think minus 250 is a little steep for, again, a team that fully expect to win the AFC, but they need Patrick Mahomes to keep being Patrick Mahomes in the late 250 and division with several other talented teams, particularly offenses, little too steep for my taste as well. Before we get out of here, everyone, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at underdog fantasy. If you like fantasy football and if you like playing fantasy for money, you need to check out underdog fantasy underdogs got everything, including season long and playoff best ball. Best ball is a season long game where you draft a team like you normally do, but that's it. There's no one season roster management underdog automatically selects your best performers each week, saving you loads of time. Go to underdog fantasy and deposit $10. Use promo code PFF and get a free PFF edge in a subscription. That's promo code PFF draft now underdog fantasy. Andrew and I will be drafting 
Thursday night. So last night when you're listening to this podcast on a Friday, but you can check out that uh, recording over at pff.com PFF, Twitter, and Andrew and Jared. Usually I'm there every couple of weeks, Thursday nights, draft Nova underdog fantasy code PFF. Gotta love it. Andrew, great stuff today. You're continuing to crank out team previews throughout the week. You're coming on the podcast, making freaking content throughout the summer, man. Anything uh, else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? All right. Well, I'll just, so I've been talking about, we obviously went to Patriots training camp. I know this is an AFC podcast, but I will <laughs> lay down uh, one of the nuggets that's kind of stuck out to me the last couple of days I've been there. I'm going to release a whole team preview. I'm going to do the AFC East uh, the following week. So you guys will be able to read up on that at PFF.com. But this is for the real listeners that have listened all the way through getting in this nitty gritty knowledge. Like you cannot find this information anywhere because it's mine. Cause I was there Wow. and about the tight end position, Hunter Henry looks like the red zone guy for the Patriots. So again, if you're, if that's a deciding factor between you and Johnny Smith, I know they paid Johnny Smith a lot of money, but at the same time, like Hunter Henry's constantly, doesn't matter if it's cam doesn't matter if it's Mac Jones, like he's constantly getting peppered with targets in the red zone. So take that as you will. I'm going to rank Hunter Henry probably above Johnny Smith. Unless I see something else, I'm going to go to a couple more practices unless I see something else that changes my mind. But really I see Johnny Smith. Yes. He's getting more of the jet sweeps type of usage around the goal line. Whereas Hunter Henry's actually getting the legit targets. And I think for me, at least early on, I feel like that has Hunter Henry kind of looking more like the Gronk role in this offense with Jonah Smith using as the Hernandez role again. And we know who the guy, we know who was better for fantasy in that component. And it was Hunter Henry. So a little nugget for everybody there. From the podcast that brought you Michael Thomas's ankle injury weeks before the mainstream media. Now you're getting on the, you know, on the grass report straight out of training camp from Andrew Erickson. You heard it here first, everyone. Hunter Henry, number one red zone target. And if he's not, you know, okay, it was a training camp practice. Show the hell out. We're just, you know, we're trying to do what we can here. So good stuff, Andrew. Thank you as always, my man. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. He's Andrew. I'm Ian. We'll continue to crank out these team previews. Keep tuning in. Love you all. Until next time. Take care.